You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello everyone, welcome back to Backstage Talk. Today, this episode is a full circle moment for me because this performer I will be interviewing today, I saw him at Moulin Rouge just before the shutdown back in January 2020. I have here with me Reed Luplau. He is an absolute triple threat. He's a singer, dancer, actor, and he has also developed a love for choreography and film, appearing not only on TV series like Fosse Verdon, but um, The Shape of Water. He was born in Perth, Australia. Reed has been dancing at the age of 18 months at his mother's studio, where he trained in jazz, ballet, tab, acrobatics, and musical theater. And before graduating from the Australian Ballet School, Reed was invited by the then artistic director Graham Murphy and Janet Vernon to join the Sydney Dance Company. As a dancer in New York City, Reed has performed in several companies, and he has been on Broadway several times on shows like Moulin Rouge, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, and Fiddler on the Roof. And he has also had shows off-Broadway and in opera. So, Reed, thank you so much for coming over to Backstage Talk. It is an honor to have you over. Oh my gosh, what an intro. I was like, oh my gosh, he knows everything about me and that's crazy. And yeah, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm, I'm way more happy. Like, I am fanboying right now very hard. <laughs> That's so crazy. I'm really not that um, special. I mean, thank you. I'll take it. And um, I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here, too. Thank you. Okay, so what made you choose the thespian life at the very young age of 18 months? <laughs> <laughs> um, good question. I I honestly didn't, I don't really have, I didn't really have a choice. Um, I, and that's a great thing for me. Um, some people are like, oh, no. Um my mother still owns and runs her dance studio in Perth, Australia. Um, and I was born and raised into it. And I did try football, Australian football and uh, T-ball and baseball for my dad. Uh, but I, I was, you know, out in the field doing cartwheels instead of, uh, you know, playing the game. Um, and it was just, the studio was just a natural place for me to be. And I loved it. And, you know, ever since I was a young kid, it was just... Uh, always there and in my blood so I just followed it and when I was about 14 or 15 um, no I was like 12 13 I apologize uh, one of my mum's um, former students went off to dance for Netherlands Dance Theatre which is a great company uh, in the Netherlands and uh, she came back to the West Australian Ballet which is our state ballet of uh, Western Australia and um, I saw my first ballet 
which is crazy at the age of, well, not my first ballet, I won't say that, my first contemporary ballet. And it was this updated version of Capelia. And I was like, wait, you can, you can dance full time. You, you can be paid to do this. Um, and it kind of, there's a switch that went, oh, okay, I'm going to be a professional dancer. I think, you know, as a young kid, you're like, I'm just going to dance and that's what makes me happy. But then as you kind of grow into it, you're like, oh, I can, this can be a career. Um, and so that's what kind of, it just continued down there. And so I, I went off into the ballet world and I uh, trained at the Australian Ballet School and I thought that a ballet company was where I was supposed to be in my life. Um, but by the time of my third year of, before graduating, I very much realized that uh, I'm a very good mover. And I, yes, I had my ballet technique, but I love moving and dancing in all different shapes, any sort of aspect of dance you can, you can get yourself into. And I didn't really just want to stay on this ballet trajectory. I, you know, I wanted to very much explore everything. Um, and then the, uh, the artistic director of the Australian Ballet at the time, David McAllister, was like, you need to be in touch with Graham Murphy and Janet Vernon, and you should be dancing for this company. This is where you should be going. Um, and right before I graduated, uh, I was taking class. I went, would travel up to Sydney. My mom and I made a special trip together, and then I was taking class with the company. Because uh, at the time, they never really did auditions. They just took people word of mouth or if you came and showed interest it was a weird time um and then right before I graduated I got a phone call you know saying welcome to the company and it was um it was extremely unheard of at the time to have such a young artist in that company it was a very much very mature company at the time um and so I just went on from there and I'm still dancing now and I just always just wanted to keep pushing the envelope you know step outside the box of what my comfortability was um and now I live in the craziest city in the world <laughs> i love it and that is an amazing journey because you've also developed a love for directing um for video editing uh because i've seen your youtube videos the videos you you've done so listeners go right now to youtube and search for reed um, <laughs> he has pretty cool stuff there So tell me a little bit about your journey specifically in musical theater because you've also done um what we can understand as musicals on TV and film, you've choreographed things and you've been on Broadway. Yeah. Um, I, first of all, I always had a, a passion for musical theater. Um, my Nana, when I was younger, was the first thing I watched or remember watching was um, the VHS of Singing in the Rain. And of course that just sticks in my head and it's such a memory and it's such a vital important time being imprinted so early on. Um, and then of course she would show me Michael Jackson's thriller. So I was very heavily influenced in this theatrical world to begin with. Um, and I sort of, you know, went off and took my, the ballet training and went into that, but there was always that still at the back of my head, oh, you should be singing and acting and doing all the above. Um, cause dancers are primarily, we don't say anything. We just use our bodies to talk, of course. Um, and, I think when I was deciding, when I decided to move to New York um, and America in general, um, I wanted to push outside again, as I was saying, push the envelope. And um, I moved here to specifically work in, try and get into theater and film and TV, because that's where I really wanted to get to. And so it, I was dancing in dance companies before then, but I was really, I still had to coach things on the side to push that and I was going to acting classes to add to my skill set and 
then I, I once I got my green card, uh, things changed because this country is very strict with rules. <laughs> um, and uh, I started, I had to start again. Um, no one in casting knew who I was. So I was starting, no one in theatrical casting or TV casting knew who I was. I was this new person, even though I had been dancing my whole life and, you know, had a great dance career already. It was starting from scratch. And you have to sort of build that rapport um, with casting directors so they know what you're right for, what kind of show you're right for. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of started. And it was just so many close, yes, yes, yes. It was like maybe, and there was always no. And then um, Fiddler on the Roof came around and it was just the perfect fit. It was um, Hofez Schechter and Bartlett Shear. And um, it was this magnificent uh, combination together that just happened to be right for me. Um, and that was my debut. And so, um, and it was an incredible way to start on the Broadway stage, having Bart as our director and Hofesh as choreographer, and then having Daddy Burstein as our lead really was such an educational time, not only to be paid to perform and be on Broadway, but it was like, I was a sponge. I was just learning so much already from that. So, um, yeah. I hope I didn't derail too much of that question, but I think no. I got <laughs> You didn't, you didn't. So Okay, good. What was your best memory with Fiddler? Mm. Besides having those great directors and performers at your side? Um, it was my debut. So already that, to begin with, is such a uh, massive milestone in, in, in your life. And um, on my birthday, we had the... Um, Uh, we had our rehearsal with the orchestra the, for the first time and it was just such a great time. Um, but yeah, being on that stage and being on the in the Broadway theater was um, incredible. That's where Steamboat Mickey first had its world premiere. So it's such a great theater to begin with. Um, I will say uh, the Tony performance was just incredible that year. It was my first Tony. It was just a, a first for a lot of things. So it was just tick, tick. Tick, tick. Same with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It was a lot of just this great time where so much goodness was happening. Um, uh, yeah, but that would I would say those highlighted moments. Um, and then just being in such a great um, uh, musical theater piece to begin with, with such a great story, still relevant and still current to today, um, with exceptional music and um, great choreography so it was just such an honor to be a part of and the fiddler tour is still going around the states as we speak so i'm really proud of that show and how far it's continued to grow go and continue to grow from there i love it so let's talk a little bit about the great comet for a second what was the best of that process oh my goodness um the best part um there's there was so many good times it was I was kind of, it was the third sort of time or fourth time they were coming back. You know, they started small, went to a tent, took it to Boston. And um, I had such a high appreciation for the show. I just think it was so unique and so different and diverse and um, eclectic. And I just, it was not, a, it's not a dance show. And I'm primarily an dancer. Uh, so to be able to be a part of that show where they got to add some dance into it was incredible. I was coming into it fourth time round. People already knew each other. So it was very much they, you know, 
it was a new coming into a new school and I there was only a few of us that were new to Broadway but the energy and the audience um uh gratitude towards what we were doing and you know they completely tore down the inside of the imperial theater and we had no stage and the seating was everywhere it was just runways and it's so creative and to be a part of something that uh, was that creative and innovative for a commercial run on Broadway was just so um, I'm so incredibly proud to be a part of and yeah what a show it was you didn't know we never had a genre for it, it was like folky with like some pop rock then like extreme dance uh, like uh, you know electric music um, it was just all over the place um, but really well directed and really well focused and um just a really great time on Broadway. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. So you are now performing with Moulin Rouge, a huge Tony Award winning show. Even before the Tonys, it was huge. So how was working on this show before and after the shutdown? Mm -hmm. How has it been bringing the show back? Uh, Well, first of all, I've, I've been with the I was I've been with the show since day one. Um, I was in the group that uh, Sonia Tay, the choreographer, um, was auditioning to be the choreographer. So I was in her group auditioning for uh, her to get the job, and then we, of course, had to go through the whole audition process just to get the job. Um, and this is back in 2017, and I was doing comma at the time, um, and it's just been such a roller coaster. It's it 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 ups and downs and ups and downs a lot of highs a few lows um but it's incredible to be a part of this show i am a huge Baz Luhrmann fan i always have been being australian um such an icon uh from everything that he's done and still continues to do so um uh but bringing it uh, yeah bringing it to every stage like we did a lab and then we took it to boston Um, and went through the ringer of sort of finding what works, what doesn't work. Um, the things that have changed since then uh, has been very beneficial for the show. And that's what you learn of being out of town. And then, of course, the hype of um, bringing it to Broadway, uh, which was incredible. And I never, when I heard that it was in the works, that Moulin Rouge the musical was in the works, I honestly didn't think it was the show for me. I kind of pictured it as like a Casey Nicolai or a Susan Stroman musical where everything was very sharp and you had to be six foot tall and, and uh, very macho, ma uh, you know, very the other Broadway chorus boy that is not me. Um, and I didn't think it was going to go that way. But then when Sonia got it, I was like, oh, this could be very different and, and unique. And uh, it, it bring the individuality from ourselves to what to make what the Moulin Rouge musical is. Um, So I'm I'm so proud to be in a, a part of it that way from the get go, um, and bringing it back uh, was extremely strange, <laughs> strange and weird and good and strange and weird and good. Um, you know, we were rehearsing all the time with masks. Um, we were tested, I think, three or four times a week. Um, you know, safety first and. Uh, now things have, have calmed down. We're back into a routine of sort of, you know, we still get tested. We are wearing masks throughout the, the building, except when performing, everyone in the audience is masked. Um, it's, it feels good. 
it, um, to be back, honestly, from having that break. And I think a lot of people have learned a lot. And so have I as an artist and where I need to put my attention and the show. I'm not saying this in, you know, as a bad thing, but sometimes before the pandemic, you the show was always the priority, you know, and life would come second. It's just work, 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 work. And I think we really took the time during the pandemic to realize what is important in life and how much time we spend with work and how much time we should spend with family and for ourselves. Um, but it's really lovely to be back and the audiences are very appreciative and uh, we're very lucky the Moulin Rouge to be a very popular show and having, you know, swept so well at the Tony Awards um, has been very great for us. And it's a really, it honestly is such a beautiful show and I've made such a family there um, at the show and it's just lovely to be backstage and on stage with the people that I've spent four years of my life with. Absolutely. And I I just can barely imagine how a party it was the first show back, like the oh, first yeah. night back. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. So you've been with this show since day one. Literally day one. <laughs> so how has it been building a Tony Award winning show? You've seen all the process. I have. I've seen all the good stuff. I've seen all the mistakes. I've, <laughs> I've witnessed it all. Um, it's an, it's incredible because um, you see how much time. I mean, they had been working on getting it to somewhere um, for so long. You know, it's it's a show that requires so much music licensing, so much thought, so much detail. How to bring those current, like how to bring Baz Luhrmann's version, or Baz Luhrmann's story to the to the theater without having the tricks of editing and like, uh, you know, film. Um, and then how to make it, how to bring current and relevant songs and to still be able to storytell within that and sort of try and, you know, not mimic the film, but also to get it to a new standard of what the theater version could be. Cause you know, it's, it's going to be slightly different. Someone else's take on, Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. Um, but uh, it's it's was amazing. You know, it's been so cool to be a part of an originating, you know, choreography and steps and, and movement and how things are happening. And we've just been through so many versions. There were so many things that got cut. There were so many things that, in the, especially in the first lab where we had uh, different storytelling and, and uh, different uh, stories that were happening. And Christian used to be, in the original, Christian was a, a lot darker of a character and was running away from things. And we've just tried different options uh, musically. Um, and I've learned so much um, on the other side to sort of watch and see what things work, where people choose to, to uh, how people choose to make decisions and think what's right. Um, and I think Boston was a huge learning curve too, obviously having an audience for the first time and seeing what works, what doesn't. Um, But yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's just so I I have to step back sometimes and remember what I'm a part of because I'm so involved, like I'm so in this thing that it's like it's a part of my life. And yeah, it's very very cool. Amazing, amazing. I I'm starstruck just imagining the whole process from the lab to Boston to um, New York uh, to reopening. It must be mm -hmm. mind blowing. Yeah, very much so, yeah. <laughs> so what advice would you give 
young people that want to become musical theater performers that want to be triple threats? Um, I would just say keep going. Keep going. No matter how many walls you think you hit or how many roadblocks or people saying no, there is a place for everyone in this business. There is a place for everyone in this world. And I absolutely believe that. I had before Fiddler, I had three very close yeses and those shows were not for me and i've learned so much from that and it comes down to casting it also coming comes down to if you're replacing someone do you fit that person's costumes like it's still a business at the end of the day and honestly there is just a place for everyone and now what i learned also too from the pandemic is uh why wait if you want to create something if you want to do something you have this phone that has like five cameras on it that you can do anything There's so many programs that you can edit. You can put yourself out there. And it was also letting go of that fear of putting stuff out there and just being like, I have literally nothing else to do. I need to wake up and have something to do. So I'm just going to create. But I will say, just keep going. There is there is a place for you. And if you want it that badly, it'll happen. Just keep going. I love I'm, it. From, I'm from the smallest town in Australia. Well, not smallest, but a very, very far away place. And I, it was determination. And I was like, no one's going to tell me that I can't do this. And so I made it happen. I absolutely love it. So you've been on Broadway several times. You've directed a lot of stuff. You've choreographed a lot of stuff. Do you have anything you want to do next? Is there any, <laughs> any other project that you have in the works on the side besides uh, the show? Yeah, um, I am. I'm working with Disney Cruise Line. I am actually working for uh, Disney Cruise Line and I am associate choreographer for one brand new show that I cannot announce just yet. Um, I'm working on a second show for the Disney Wish and then a third show I'm choreographing as well. So all for the Disney Wish. Um, and I'm actually done. I'm uh, done with Moulin Rouge on January 16th. It will be my final show. After four years, um, it's time I'm really you know, found from the pandemic, I really want to, uh, you know, spend more time in, on the creative side and really dive into that and uh, place my focus there. Um, and one way to do that is to, you just have to be open. And so I love Moulin Rouge and having a show eight times a week can just be very constricting and I can't go anywhere. Um, and so I'm very excited to be working creatively for Disney and it's so fun. Um, and I, you know, get to create, but I get to create with Disney characters and it's a dream. So that's one thing that's just what comes up as of from January onwards. So if you're ever on the Disney Wish, actually you'll see some of my choreography on the Disney Wonder and the Disney uh, Magic. But yeah, I'm, I'm starting I'm starting back with Disney Cruise Line and uh, as a creator and I'm so excited. I'm very excited. It's a brand new ship. So. Yeah, that sounds huge. And I'm yeah. super <laughs> excited for you. Wow, I just wish you the best with disney and whatever endeavor you go on next after thank Mulan you <laughs> thanks one question before we, we wrap up yeah what are your top five favorite musical theater shows oh goodness um my first that comes to my head is always uh little shop of horrors that's probably the first movie musical that i saw and fell in love with that. i mean that music is just incredible Um, I always loved the music of Jesus Christ Superstar. It's so random and weird, but I just love that rock music. Um, top five. Okay, I've said two. I'm going back in time now. I loved American Idiot. I'm not sure if you saw it. 
it was really cool. I loved the interpretation of that album, and I just I saw it like four times. It was crazy. I love Bob Fosse's dance, uh, uh, Bob, uh, the Fosse show, of course. Mm-hmm. I watched that a few times. I think that's so beautiful and creative. Uh, and then my fifth, sh- my fifth choice. Oh my gosh! I know I'm going to get off this podcast, but like, oh, why did I say that? Um, <laughs> oh, I love Avenue Q. I think that's genius too. It was so good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I love Hamilton. I love all the new stuff. It's it's so hard not to love any of the big hits, of course, like Wicked and Lion King and and you know Aladdin, all the the big ones that are back, and of course our show. I loved Great Comet. I just think Comet was such a cool cool musical. Yeah, I think one day I'd really love to be Bert in Mary Poppins if that ever comes around. I'm gonna put that out there. But yeah, yeah, manifest that. Put that into yeah. existence. <laughs> <laughs> Reed, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, my social media handle is just at uh, Reed Luplau, um, and I'm on the Instagram and the Twitter, um, and then my website as well. So I'm around. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Reed, thank you so much for coming over. It's been amazing having you. And as I said before. I am super excited for where you go next, and I wish you the best. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. It is my pleasure to be here, and thank you so much for asking me. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.